He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. To infinity and beyond! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Know Your Cinema, the podcast that you love the most about movies from three people who you wouldn't talk to in public. I am one of your hosts, Jason Quinn, and with me as always are my two uh, credible uh, podcast hosts, Devlin Clemens and Vivin Matthew. Uh, before before we get too deep into this, though, I do want to give a, a quick uh, birthday shout out to Devlin. It was his birthday uh, like yesterday as we're recording this, but a couple of days ago. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, Happy birthday, Devlin. Yeah, uh, another day older and deeper in debt. Yeah, perfect. Sounds like an amazing. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a Tennessee Williams song. It's uh, sixteen times. Oh. For those of you, so if you want to home game, if you want to send Devlin money for his birthday, his cash app is. No, I'm just... <laughs> I mean, you can send that through Facebook. I'll, I'll gladly accept that. It's uh, Devlin Anderson on Facebook. Uh, I don't use my real name on Facebook, so yeah. So add him up and send him money or dick pics. You will happily accept either one. No, not so much. I'll I'll repost that shit. So if I get dick pics, like I'll I'll repost. So if you send him dick pics, be sure to include your face. No, I'll make sure I tag. I'll make sure I tag names. So. Yeah, do that. So, be on the lookout for that, Devlin. <clears throat> yeah. So, anyway, this week, uh, this week we're talking the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. If uh, if you want to keep up on all things Know Your Cinema, make sure you follow us on our social medias: uh, Facebook.com/slash KYC Podcast. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at KYC Podcast. So check those out as well. Uh, anything else you boys want to say before we dive into the nitty gritty parts of the Chamber of Secrets? I do have some some things I would like to say real quick before we go further into it. I did discover, uh, you guys know that I love baseball, love baseball movies. Um, I did discover a, a baseball movie uh, that was filmed here in Columbus back in 1999 and has um, uh, Haley Eisenberg, which is Jesse Eisenberg's little sister in it. And uh, it was, they used um, Clipper Stadium uh, for some of the shots and some uh, stadiums in Columbus. Uh, the movie's called A Little Inside. And... Uh-huh. Uh, I watched it this week, and it was uh, it wasn't too bad. You can tell it was very low budget, but it was actually not a really bad movie. 
So um, if anybody gets a chance to check that out, I know it's on uh, Prime Video. And uh, I read an article about it. That's the only reason I, ever, I discovered it. So, um, But yeah, if you get a chance to check it out, do so. Did you say what year it was? Um, it was 1999. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do want to let everybody know uh, the trailer for Tenant has just uh, dropped. So uh, I am excited and uh, ready to check that out. So uh, let's get this podcast going. Yeah, Vivian's also uh, naked in his uh, room with a uh, bottle of lotion before he watches that trailer as well. Uh, thanks. That's actually correct. <laughs> that super checks out. <laughs> that thing premiered on Fortnite. Did you know that? Yeah, that's strange. What to better way to, to get a bunch of viewers than people who are sitting at home watching or playing uh, Fortnite? Yeah, still strange. I don't know why. Uh, no, it's super guess... smart. That's super smart marketing right there. Yeah, I bet they'll get a. Uh, I bet something to do with the movie will make its way into Fortnite as well. Hmm. Well, Jason, actually, you would. I mean, you you play Fortnite, right? I do play Fortnite. Okay. Yeah, I got a, I got two ones today. Matter of fact, solo dubs. So look out for me. Yeah, you, you would. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I really don't know much about Fortnite. It's basically a video game. It's a shooter video game where you and 99 of your closest foes drop into an island, search for weapons, and murder each other. And then the last person standing wins. Hmm. Okay. But we are here for Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Secrets, that's what people are here listening to this podcast came to listen to. So... uh... I'm gonna let you guys. I'm gonna let you guys take the floor on this one at, at first because this was a movie that I had not seen. So, Vivian or Jason, please take it away. Jason, I believe uh, um, this is uh, your Lord of the Rings. If Lord of the Rings was my kind of creme de la creme, the movie of all movies for me, I'm guessing Harry Potter has an even deeper. I think your movie of all movies changes week to week because one one week it's the Dark Knight, and then one week it's it's the uh, like Godfather. Make up your mind, okay? Yeah, have we even talked about Batman in the last like couple episodes? Like, what is what's going? What's what's happened to this podcast? I think we dropped. <laughs> I think we dropped Batman reference last week. I think it was subtle, but I think we dropped. It. Uh, I think there was yeah. I think beginning of segment two somewhere there was a there was a quick reference. It was a real. Yeah, I tried like to make seconds. sure it got in there because we were we were we were taught we were doing pretty good on Lord of the Rings, so I want to make sure we got that Batman reference. In. It's important to talk about Batman. Oh, in every it's oh, important you know to what? keep with tradition, okay? Um, you know, Batman, go fuck yourself. Even though Vivian doesn't do that, that's what's important. Yes, traditions. That's super important. But someone take this away. We got segment one. We're rocking and rolling. Yeah. Someone go. Okay, okay, so Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This is this is the second Harry Potter movie, for those of you who don't know that. Um, this, uh, everybody's, everybody in this Harry Potter movie is still a baby. They're like all just little itty-bitty babies. When you watch it and you've seen all the Harry Potter movies, they just look like tiny little children. And it's super weird to see in that from that aspect, like going back and watching it, because like, Hermione, you can clearly see that it's like Emma Watson, but she's just a little, little teeny little 
Emma Watson. I, I, I would say everybody but Ron Weasley, because I think Ron Weasley's voice completely changed from movie one to movie two. It got super deep. He's like, sup, Harry? <laughs> it, was like, it was like, damn, Weasley, take the bass out your voice, kid. He's like, listen, Harry, we're bloody well better get this Chamber of Secrets open. I mean, yeah, it, there, there, was a, there was a serious change there. I do think that this movie shows, it, it begins to show a little bit of, like, the darker side of the Harry Potter universe, but it is still just, it is just like, it's like, tipping your toe in the water of more of the the darker side of things. Not that the, the series is super dark in any way, but it's still like, I think it gets cons- like much more mature after this movie. And I think this is the last movie in the series that is, that feels like a movie that's made for kids. And I think the rest of them feel like movies that are made for teenagers and then adults. Um, but I think I think this movie's really good. I think it does a really good job of of continuing to show some of the characters and build some of the characters' relationships and uh, and things of that nature. <clears throat> I think it's nice that it kind of starts to flesh out some of the characters that you don't get to see all the time in some of the later movies or even in the first movie, like you get to see professor sprout, which I don't think you actually see professor sprout very much in the next couple of movies uh, until I think that maybe the last one possibly, but like just little things like that, which those are, I think the bigger differences that you get between like the books and the movies is like, you still have professor sprout still mentioned or like different, different professors and stuff are still a part of it. But, uh, I don't know. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, Viv, uh, I uh, your, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I concur with almost everything that you said. Uh, to start out, it is a uh, still a pretty close, faithful adaptation uh, of the book itself. Uh, it is a transition movie for me from the kids' fairy tales to a more mature themes as it uh, goes into Azkaban and Azkaban. Uh, I mean, that that for me is essentially the series high point in some aspects. But uh, it, that is not to take away from Chamber of Secrets. I think the story itself is uh, really good and actually flows better than uh, the first movie. It's, uh, it's more like there's a more overarching story. It's not so episodic like the first movie where you have essentially kind of a set uh, a series of individual adventures that each of these characters are encountering and getting introduced to each other here it's more of a um, you already know the players you know um, uh, you, you know wh- who what the friendships are and and who who the rivalries are and it's maturing from there but you're right they're still kids so I, it's a good transition movie, and in certain aspects, it is pretty dark, um, especially some of the scenes in the forest, and also uh, actually uh, some of the the, uh, the the climax of the movie. It, it does get <laughs> pretty dark for a kids' movie, yeah, that's for sure. 
uh, overall performances are good, uh, especially from all of the, uh, from the, uh, from the, uh, obviously you have uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh, you have Richard Harris, you Jason Isaacs, all of these kind of well-known uh, British actors kind of coming in and filling all these bit parts, but just that really kind of um, fills out the world. And the, uh, they just they just do such a good job of establishing uh, the world of uh, of Hogwarts and and how everything looks and just the texture and it's it's just you you really feel like this place has been there for a long time and I think that aspect of it is it's already Chris Columbus the director and the production design team they really brought that um, that's what. The first two movies did they really set the tone um and the and the and the world aspects of it and how everybody looks the the costumes and the music uh, i mean you have john williams creating some iconic um musical scores which i almost feel like it doesn't john, get eclipsed in any of the like other movies that's john that? williams's thing that's we're talking Star Wars. We're talking Indiana Jones. We're talking Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. We're talking John Williams. Like that's yeah, exactly. That's the thing so, that that guy yeah. does is create iconic scores for movies. So yeah, yeah. Sorry to I chime mean, in. I, you were on a roll. I apologize, but I'm like, no, no, that's no, what no, that no, motherfucker yeah, does. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a. I'm so happy that that John Williams was able to be part of this franchise because I can't imagine Harry Potter without that iconic music because that instantly plays in your mind. Even when I pick up the book, I can have that music playing in my head. It's just that good. Uh, I mean, as Devlin said, everything from Superman to Schindler's List to <laughs> Jurassic Park, you name it, some of the greatest movies in the last 50 years has his uh, tunes attached to it. So yeah, really, uh, really good movie. I, uh, I I did enjoy it a lot, even better than Philosopher's Stone. So having said that, I did you just go full British on us there for a second? What's that? Did you go full British on us? What do you mean, Philosopher's Stone? I mean, you know, the southern part of India was under British rule for a long time. So yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, sorry, it's uh, what is it called? What is that syndrome? Stockholm. Stockholm, yeah. Yeah, it's kick again. Okay. Okay, uh, no, that's fine. Um, uh, I apologize. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm working through it with my therapist. Um, so, philosopher I've never stuff, heard of a uh, therapist. What's a therapist? Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, <sighs> Uh, it's a not a not a very good therapist. Good shit. Uh, okay. um, Devlin, how was the second year at Hogwarts for you? So, um, you know, uh, surprisingly, I was I was into this movie. I paused it. Um, it, it is long, so I paused it. Um, in mid movie to just kind of take in everything that I've watched so far with the movie. The first movie, of course, is always in the series is really a lot of character building and 
making the players, you know, and put them, in, you know, putting them in the right places where they need to be. So this movie was really more of a good story to me. And the way I saw this story was like, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a murder mystery, but it wasn't a murder mystery because no one really died. They were just kind of frozen. Um, so, but I, I felt like it had like that kind of murder mystery feel to it because they are all trying to figure out, I mean, they know where it's coming from, but they're trying to figure out who's the culprit, so to speak. So, um, I really enjoyed that aspect of it because it, they were just giving you little crumbs as you went along and, um, it, you're just trying to figure out where this is going to go. You want to see the finish of all this and how everything kind of ties together with, with the, the movie itself. So, um, but in 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 all honesty, I I did enjoy the movie. It, it it didn't feel like a kids movie. It didn't really feel like a little kids movie to me. In this one, um, even though like it had that, like I said, it, it was the the murder mystery, but not a murder mystery kind of feel to it. It still it just didn't feel like that to me. It really felt kind of almost adult themed in the, in the sense of like. I didn't. I wasn't stuck in the, in the time in the mind frame that like these are these are these are children, but these are these are children dealing with like adult problems. So, and they're and they're really, you know, brave about it. Going you know going about all this stuff that they're 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 doing in this movie, and I really felt like a lot of them really showed a lot of character depth in this movie as well. Like in the first movie, Harry, I felt like was just kind of coming into his own. But in this movie, he, he seemed to kind of get really more like more gumption to himself, more, more, more brave in things. Even when he was, you know, dealing with his, uh, quote unquote, like, uh, foster parents or aunt and uncle, I, I just felt like he had a lot more, just like he was a lot more headstrong and like dealing with them and, and trying to be more of a, uh, a main character. So, uh, I really did enjoy this movie more than the first one, uh, and I'm I'm not in the into the movie series in the sense of like it's not something that like I would ever go back and watch. But I'm into the story now itself to see where it kind of goes, and maybe in latter movies I'll or not latter movies in in, in next viewings of, of the series I might get more and more into the series because it's kind of increasing that way. So I'm just. I'm 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 really just kind of going along with the flow of what what this movie series is trying to do, but I I did enjoy it. I really did. That uh, man, I couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better possible response out of you, honestly. Yeah, I think I think that that is like on the highest end of my hopes for how you would take this movie. That was beyond that. I think. Honestly, like I did not expect no, you to I, be. I, I enjoy good stories. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit the listeners and say like, oh, Devlin's a prick. He hates everything. No, that's not true. I enjoy a good story. It doesn't matter what's going on 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 the on film, like in front of me. It could be, you know, it could be a mob movie. It could be an action movie. If, if the story is making sense and it's probably part because I'm a, I'm, I'm a former professional wrestler and one of the things that I love about professional wrestling is the way inside of a, a, you know, a 20 by 20 ring, two men can tell a story about what is going on right then and there. 
So when you have a bunch of people telling a story, it, it, it intrigues me. It makes me want to watch it more. So the story itself is what really always draws me to movies. So with this one, like I said, the first one, of course, is always character building. There is a story going on, but in, in, in the latter part, you're, you're developing char- characters in, in the first set of movies. Unless it's like something like Batman, where you already know the character of Batman. You don't have to know the story. But we're still going to hear the origin story. Yeah, you're story still going to hear the origin story, but you already know it going into it. So you can focus more and enjoy more of what this story of Batman is going to tell you. Where, like, you know, we're kind of all anticipating the new Batman and seeing where it goes, but we already know the backstory of this Batman. Well, Harry Potter, it's all new to me. So I'm I'm looking at the first movie and I'm going, I know this is a lot of character building. This is This is definitely what the character building is going to be. They're introducing the houses. They're doing this. In this movie, they're not. They're not. You know the houses. You know what Harry's doing. What he. What he's gone through. You know the characters. You do. But we're now we're getting a little bit more snippets of the character. Like we find out Harry. Spoiler alert, guys. Harry has kind of adapted and and absorbed some of um, Voldemort's powers because of him speaking in Slytherin. So we. Parcel tongue. What is it again? Parcel tongue. It's called parcel oh, tongue. Well, whatever, nerds. Um, we... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm you, sorry. You, what you podcast see... are you on? <laughs> no, you. Whatever, you see, nerds. You see that? You see that little bit more of, of character building, and you get introduced to new characters as well. And I'm sure that they'll come into play in 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 the next set of movies. Um, because they keep they have to add fresh characters so that that's a really great thing that they've done here in this movie so i do appreciate that too but again like i said this had this had my attention more so than the last movie because of the story that was going on and i i'm sure you know with knowing and looking at the other set of movies there's always going to be a theme around that particular movie so i enjoyed this movie for that story portion of it, where it was going, what was going on, and giving you those, like I said, again, giving you those little crumbs of things. Uh, I think uh, I think you're going to find later on that the crumbs are so much, there's so much more crumbs in all of these movies than you realize until you sure, finish. I, I mean, I know where it's leading. Even, like, we're talking Voldemort. So I know that, like, we, from what I just gathered from you know, people that talk about Harry Potter. I, 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 I'm just assuming that Voldemort is like the Darth Vader of the series. So we're we're building to Voldemort, to either the reveal of Voldemort, or more and more that we learn about Harry, or more and more we learn about the the school. We're going to learn about all that stuff. So I'm 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 anticipating all of that. So they're giving you, you know things that lead into that and then i'm sure as we go on i'll go uh, you know i'll think about back to like the other movies and be like oh, okay that makes sense okay that ties in I, i'm sure that's what's going to happen because that's what really good series of movies do and harry potter's beloved so i'm sure that that's that's one of the reasons why yeah um yeah well there's two two uh things i want to latch on to I mean, Devon, like you, you've mentioned this a couple of times. Now that you're, when we're watching the movie for the podcast, we tend to 
uh, it just naturally happens. You're kind of trying to have a more critical response to the movie, uh, not a uh, n- not as far as having criticisms, but just being more aware of the actual filmmaking that's happening. Sure. And you're right. This time around, watching Chamber of Secrets, I was like, oh wow, this really has a mystery story kind of structure to it that yeah. I I was not aware of the uh, in my previous viewings, and it really does drive the plot so well and the characters that we that was established in the first chapter um, the first book in here you're really getting the those defining traits of each of those characters and seeing how that helps the the specific story that's being told so whether it's uh, the book smarts and just the intelligence of Hermione um, or um, Harry's uh, uh, bravery and courage and how in every situation he will always n- not really think about his safety. He just jumps in and, and does what is necessary or Ron's need to prove himself. And you see there are situations that they keep getting bumped into where they're having to, they, those traits keep coming out and it's it's you really get to see those characters and not only separately you get to see them how they function together so i love that dynamic that's happening and it you get you get to see that more and more and especially chamber of secrets does a really good job of kind of giving space for uh, those relationships to develop right no i i I totally agree i do want to say one more thing I, i i i have a i have a more appreciation for the actor jason isaacs I loved him in The Patriot. I thought he was such a good villain. Yeah. He plays such a good villain. I, I think he might be one of the best villain actors. And I've only seen him in two roles, but he played such a good, yeah. just a good villain. Like, you just want to just beat this dude's ass with your bare hands. <laughs> like, like, especially that end scene, like with, with Dobby. Oh, yeah. I wanted to whoop his ass. So I was infuriated. I'm like, I was like, I just want to, I just want to reach through my TV and punch this guy. So I'm like, he drew that emotion out of me. I'm like, that is such a good mark of a good heel. And I was like, man, I really wanted to just rip it from limb to limb. So I'm like, that really drew me into that too. But I wanted, I wanted to point that I wanted to give him some props because I've only seen him in two things, and in both things, I'm just blown away by his his great heel personas that he played in these movies. Yeah, I, 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 I was noticing that this time around too. He, the, his, the level of just how he's, sometimes you can throw it too far, but he understands the role he's playing in what specific type of franchise or story that it's perfect for that type of role. It, it just, it might almost not work in a different role, but here it's just so pitch perfect. He's like the classiest heel of all time. Like he's just like the, he's like the Ric Flair of heels, and that's high praise. Like he just is like, even in the Patriot when he's just you know he's part of that you know that horse brigade and he yeah. kills you know Mel Gibson's son and he's like stupid boy, and I'm like oh and then he like he kicks Dobby and I'm like oh I just want to punch this dude in the face so bad. Like I like if I well, see I mean, him he, on the street, like as a human being, I'd be like, man, I just want to shake your hand. But dude, I really want to punch you in the face too because you you drew an emotion out of I me. I think that that's 
that shows what such a that that shows so much in when it comes to actors because like if you can be the bad guy and I in real life knowing that you're yeah. an actor still want to punch you in the fucking yeah. face, that's such a huge yeah. compliment. And there's a there's a, a character that I I believe one ups every other villain in this entire series that you haven't seen yet, but uh, to the point where like. Like you definitely it's hate this person, and like the punch in the face, right? Oh yeah, I fucking hate her, Umbridge. You'll you'll meet her, um, but like you'll, <clears throat> it's to the point where like like she knows how good of a, a job she did, and like I've seen interviews and shit with her, and people are like where she's people are like of all the people in the entire story. Why do I hate you more than Voldemort? Like, why, why is the ultimate bad guy, you know, not the person that I hate the most, but it's instead the same it's reason me. why people fell in love with the Darth Vader character. It's the same exact reason. Like, when we talk about Rogue One and we're like, that end scene with Vader and he's just mauling people in a hallway, we're like, that was so fucking badass. But in reality, he's supposed to be the most evil character in this series. Right. Right, and it is badass, but it is, and it, at the same time, it's like, it's like fuck. But like, uh, so back to Jason Isaac, just a random quick snippet of information. So that new Scooby Doo movie that came out, yeah, uh, slight spoilers for that. The bad guy in that movie, which is quickly revealed, so it's not like a huge spoiler, uh, is Dick Dastardly. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar. <laughs> that with sounds movies. like the most porno name of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's like an old Hanna Barbera character, um, but uh, Jason Isaacs is the voice of him in that movie. So. Oh, well, wow. that's a coincidence. I think I read somewhere that Jason Isaac wanted to play a, a, a villain in the DC world. I think I just read an article about that recently. Why has this not already happened? He actually played Superman in the um, like a cartoon version of Superman called Red Sun. He actually played. Oh, he should that, that really. He did the. He did that one. I have yeah, to watch that did. one. That makes me want to watch it now. I lo- I've read the comics for Red villain, or you want? I can't. Can't remember the exact article because I was like, I kind of skimmed through it. But he he said he wanted to play a, a villain in a in a in a Marvel movie, or or. Oh, and you know what? Uh, he's also so. Netflix just picked up uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and he is Admiral Zhao on Avatar: The Last Airbender. I didn't realize that either, but that guy's a huge douche too. So, man, Jason Isaacs, props for being the biggest douche in movies. Like, way to play all of the douchiest worst characters. Totally, and he played Lex Luthor in Justice League's Gods and Monsters. Oh wow! Have to look at that. Yeah, he'd be a good Lex Luthor. He would be. He would be a good Lex Luthor. He'd also be a good uh, Zod. I think he would have made a better Zod. Ooh, so good. Good call, Jason. Good call. I'm just skimming through like his work, and I'm like, he's in Fury, which I've never seen, but now I'm going to. What is it? Fury with Brad Pitt. About the oh, movie about the tank. good movie. Good movie. Yeah, check it out. That, really good. I've, I've not seen that. I mean, he's been in a lot of. You know, random thing. He's done a lot of work. Just I'm not seeing a lot of his stuff. So, yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I can't. Uh, I honestly think he might have been one of the best parts of that Scooby Doo. Yeah. So, Jason Isaacs, we are putting you over huge on this podcast. So, 
Yes, we are. If you happen yeah. to listen to this, we are. We we love your work, man. Yes, you're uh, you're welcome to come on as a guest at any point. Hundred <laughs> percent. You're the you're the best. You're the best be asshole the first actor. guest we have. Like that. Yes. If you were like, yeah, oh, come on, okay. Special special honors right here. Yeah. Um. So um. You know, speaking of Jason Isaacs, I think one. I guess a way of saying it is a formula or what they do really well here is like the same. It's, it's a thing that the, the original Richard Donner Superman did, which is you, you have this big franchise movie. Jason, have you seen the original Superman with Christopher Reeve? Only the first one. All right. Continue then, Viv, because I didn't want you to spoil anything for, for, Oh no, no, no. Okay, okay. I won't. I won't. No. Um, but, oh. For the record, I hate the original Richard Donner Superman. Um, what? what? We're gonna fight. We huh? we're gonna fight. Like me and you, are you we're gonna fight. Is he? No, wait, hold on. Are you an American? I am. I just I watched it too oh. late. Just oh. No. <sighs> that that's core. The John. It's my, score. It's my own damn. Is it fault. like my? Is it like it's... my hatred of Christian Bale? Is that like as Batman? Is that what? It's... It's just like I had I my only familiarity with Superman before I had watched that was through like a fuck ton of comic books. And I don't think he does a very good comic book version of oh. Superman. So I just Jason Are you saying Reeve words. or are you saying Donner? Are you shitting on Reeve or Donner? Yeah. Reeves? A... Christopher Reeves? The the actor? I I just, I, it's more so the the storyline of the movie I didn't find was that great. Okay. And it felt really, really cheesy, I guess. I don't think that's Reeves' fault. I don't think he did a bad job as, you know, Clark Kent or Superman. Just more the plot of the movie. Well, I, didn't I mean, care I, I, I understand. What I also don't they, like, they, uh, they, breeze, also... they really breeze through the, the Pa Kent relationship and you get. And that's it such is. an important it, it thing is. for it, me. And you get that. If you watch Smallville, you get that really good Paul Kent relationship that you should. And I did. And that was the other thing that I, and I had watched all of Smallville. Actually, that was the other thing that I had watched was all of Smallville. And so you are, and, you are uh, pretty. That. And I don't think Smallville's. To the Paul Kent relationship, I get it. Yeah. And like, well, and I read like All Star Superman, which I don't know if you've ever read that, but like. It's like when Paul Kent dies and stuff like that. And it's it's such a like I don't know, I feel like there's there's so many times where like I just don't think anybody's ever really gotten it right on Well it, it would Superman. be honestly it'd be super hard just to make a, a movie, an origin movie of Superman without like seeing the Superman reveal. I mean p- hardcore fans like you and I would 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 love it, but I don't think the, the everyday run of the mill fan would would go to pay to see that. That makes no. It's. I mean, it would be like if it. You would almost have to make a movie that was like as much story as Superman Returns, but without it being. Well, no, that's shit. why I've always said Superman and two. take place Superman in the beginning. Two is better than Superman one on the Donner side. And see, I haven't seen it. So I think that, I think you need to, re- to visit Superman two because that's Zod, and it's 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 a lot better. Zod is much better. 
Anyways, we are way off track. We're going like, to Superman now. <laughs> yeah, we went the rabbit hole, Superman. <laughs> the only reason I was bringing that uh, up was, uh, and just to reframe it in the proper context, when Superman came out in the 70s, it was the first big superhero movie that actually was critical. It was a critical success and a box office success. So it's, I mean, it's it's kind of different to see it through the perspective of a superhero saturated mm-hmm. media landscape so it was completely different back then uh it was a uh, it was an anomaly in the kind of the movie landscape but one of the reasons i think the movie succeeded because comic books were considered to be such a kids medium and not something that adults would really care about well they weren't making them then that was like the first super that was like the first superhero movie ever exactly made. exactly so it, it i mean it was breaking new ground right but they did a Maybe really smart DC thing they... shit. <laughs> well we'll see with the uh, the new snyder cut of uh, justice league uh, they're apparently listening to the fans i don't know if you guys heard about that i literally got a film boner about that i'm so pumped yeah. for that uh, so we'll see how that plays out Anyway, back to what I was saying. The point I was trying to get to was um, they filled that movie with really just A-class actors surrounding Superman. So you had like Gene Hackman, you had Marlon Brando, you had all these actors who were just at the top of their game. Hold on, pause, time out. Don't forget Ned Beatty, okay? Don't leave out Ned Beatty, please. Okay? I think I, Ned. I don't. Sorry, I don't know his work that well. What else has he been in? Besides, uh, I think I've seen him in Network. He was in Rudy. Oh, end of end, end of needed explanation. That no, that's good. That's no, good. Rudy was you enough. Are, you were done. You got, Rudy you was got enough. It, got Rudy was enough. That's sufficient. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I'm just saying he was in Roseanne too. He was Dan Connor's father in Roseanne. He did an excellent job in there too. So I'm, I want to give him some credit. Me, Jason, me and you love Roseanne, so let me have a moment. Me too. You think uh, I'm just saying Rudy was enough yeah. of an explanation. I'm not taking I'm not trying to take that away. <laughs> I'm just saying Rudy's all you no, need. I, I get it. I get it. Anyway, so, continue Viv. Continue Viv. I hate to cut you off, but you didn't mention that. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> Uh, I have duly noted Roseanne. I might get to it someday. We'll see. So to bridge that to what Harry Potter is doing, the kid actors are good. You know, I mean, they're they're still. But what the story really needs to really make it work as a film is just this fantastic array of British actors. Like you have everybody from uh, Maggie Smith. We've already talked about, talked about Jason Isaacs. The great Alan Rickman is in there. John Cleese is in there. You have Warwick Davis. You have you have Kenneth Branagh. I mean, he's a just an A-class Shakespearean actor. But you have these actors. They bring them all in. Suddenly, the world, just as much as the actual production design makes the world feel real, the actors give it so much gravitas. And you then the mystery and all of that feels a little bit more real. And it has more stakes because... The performances are selling it so well. Well, it's funny. We're talking about Superman. And did you know Richard Griffiths, who played um, Uncle Vernon in this movie? Yeah. Is actually in the first Superman. What does he play? He plays one of the terrorists on the Eiffel Tower. Huh. I remember seeing his face. And then I saw him in this movie. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? 
and then I was like, I gotta look it up because usually I'm he's pretty really good, good at it. I'm like, too. no, he's in he's in that movie, he plays one of the terrorists in the Eiffel Tower. But so I, this, this is a good segue. Uh, no, I think I understand what Viv's saying in regards to these 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 kid actors. Think about like who they get to learn from on the set. You know, we're talking about Richard Harris. We're talking about Richard Griffiths. We're talking about you know. Um, Toby Alan Rickman. Jim Norton. We're talking Spinner. about all these great actors, these great British actors. Um, Jason Isaacs. These these kids had like some of the creme de la creme of like British actors. So the, you can tell the, the transition between um, the first movie and the second movie as far as acting goes too. I noticed that a lot too. Well, you got to, I mean, how great, Rupert, this was Rupert Grint's second movie, his first being the first right. one. He didn't do any acting before this. So for him to come out from where he was at to doing this movie, I feel like it's a huge transition yeah. from literal nobody to, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, like, to I mean, one of the most iconic roles in the cinema history. Like, if, you, if you could sit around for, you know, however long they shot this movie and pick, you know, actors' brains, and I'm sure there was a lot of like, the, you know, the older actors coming to the kids and saying, you know, this is how you should deliver this scene or this is how you should you should show emotion or something like that. I'm sure that a lot of that was going on. So these these kids are getting a firsthand lesson in good acting from these actors. So and it shows on screen like I, I felt like the acting was a lot more you know tight on this on this film when I was watching it. Like I just I yeah. just felt that way. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I was especially noticing how natural Rupert Grint was in his, uh, even more so than the first movie. Because the first movie, I remember I was talking about his performance being one of my favorite. Here, he's even more so. He's, he's really kind of settling into the role. Hundred percent. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of things to, to, I feel to like, digest uh, in this movie. That that was that was a thing for me. It's a lot of things to digest. I feel like it is important to mention that this was um, uh, Richard Harris's last film in the series. Unfortunately, um, I I don't know if I want to ask this question now only because Devlin hasn't seen it yet, but uh, maybe after Ask a Man, we'll we'll I'll have to pop the question about. Obviously, since this is Richard Harris's last movie, and we have a change in who plays Dumbledore, so uh, there's typically two camps on which is the better Dumbledore. Usually, well, okay, just, yeah, I'm just, just, I'm just strongly in the second Dumbledore. Ooh, his name is not coming to me right now. Okay. His name is not coming to me right it now. It is Michael Gambon. Yeah, I mean, it's, not, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, I understand. You know, Richard. You know, Richard died. So, yeah, I get that. And I believe Harris played. And I think he does a great job. I was trying to think. Harris Harris has played in some pretty classic movies. Yeah, he's a pretty prestigious actress, indeed. Although I must say this, I, I'm just I, I can't keep my mouth shut about this. I do feel that uh, Michael, when he comes in the, in the next movie. He almost brings a much more fresher and younger kind of vigor to. Uh, he really makes it own. He does not try to mimic Richard Harris at all. It just feels and, and Dumbledore feels much younger and more kind of. He, I don't know if Jason, would you agree with that? 
And I feel like that's a much. I, I'm very much, and not to say anything uh, bad about Richard Harris, but I, I personally prefer Michael Gambon's version mm-hmm. of him. I think that he's, he becomes not just a guy who's in the background of the movies and more of like a focal point. I feel like he commands attention a lot better as the actor. I think like <clears throat> it doesn't, I think the, the, the Richard Harris's version doesn't seem to me like the most powerful wizard, you know, that there is, you know, or one of them. But I think Michael Gammon's version really does like he commands an attention that like off screen, you can recognize the respect. Like there's a, there's like I watching it have respect for this wizard character. Whereas it's more of a grandfather, father figure type role in the first two movies. than in the, the, the latter movies are more, it's more of an intense, like, like, like a general type of type of situation. Like you just you feel like there's a there's a certain level of respect, and you owe it to him. Like I don't know. I, I also want to though. add to that. Do you remember Richard Harrison Unforgiven? Oh yes, I do. I was okay. No, I do. Because that's I had to go back that's and watch film movie. I remember seeing him in, and then. Fast forward, seeing him in Gladiator as Marcus Aurelius. Yes. So he's I, also I, in Troy, isn't he? Mm-mm. No, he's in The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, so okay. I, I, I always remember him from Unforgiven, and like I said, did not seeing him until he was in Gladiator. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely kind of up in age when he was playing Dumbledore, so and part yeah. of that kind of plays into how you view Dumbledore, because he does see more... Uh, for lack of a better word, fragile. Not that he... Well, I, I, right. I honestly... I, don't, I didn't read the books, so I don't know the backstory, but I honestly feel like if you're going to be like the 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 elder wizard, so to speak, I feel like that he almost has that look, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You are right there. He's kind, of, think... he's kind of like... It's, it's kind of like um, when you see Obi-Wan for the first time in Star Wars. Yeah, like he's kind of slow moving. He doesn't kind of do much, but you know, like you just know he's yeah. got some kind of grand power behind him. Yeah, okay, that's a good way of putting it. I, I think the difference is, is almost like we get. I almost think it's more of a Yoda type of situation. So, like, okay, that's that, that's better in that, the that, first that's two better, movies. That's, a better that's a better analogy. So I think in the first in the first two movies you get like original trilogy Yoda. He's fragile, he's very wise, but you know that there's like you know there's a power behind him, but you don't ever really get to see it. And then in the next movies we get like a Clone Wars version where he's like a fucking badass and you really get to see it. Yeah. No, I no, I I, I I understand what you're saying. And that's what, I like, think that's kind of, what... like my interpretation is like I've only seen a glimpse of like Dumbledore's kind of power. And he's he's very wise and kind of teaching. So I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued to see like that character where it goes to. So 
I think like I said uh, the movie yeah. as a whole. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where the story goes further from here because I know there's, there's, there's just gonna be, it's gonna get better as we go along, and so I, that's what I'm looking forward to. Funny enough, I think that if you're yeah. looking at the actual stories that take place in the first two years mm. of Harry Potter schooling at Hogwarts. In some sense, the story itself is having, um, having well, I keep thinking uh, Gandalf now and stuff. Uh, well, Gandalf, Dumbledore, they kind of look the same. <laughs> Dumbledore he, almost... He stole a lot from a lot of movies. It's okay. Yeah, uh, uh, Jake, yeah, no, we were definitely, we were watching Lord of the Rings and Beth was like, wait, hold on. Isn't this like, I'm like, yeah. But also this, I'm like, yeah. And this from Harry, also from Harry, yep. She's like, wow, there's a lot of things from Harry Potter and yeah, she, Lord of she the borrowed Rings. a lot, but she incorporated it right when she when she wrote the book. So she, she you can tell. Yeah. I, well, I think that there's like there's a there's a saying that like no stories, no story that exists doesn't like at this point in time doesn't have elements from other stories in it. You know what I mean? There's there's always that. You're always gonna find it. It's just a matter of how well know, you know, somebody that, else. That's absolutely that's no, that's absolutely fair. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just how are you going to tell your version of the story? Absolutely. Um, so, but uh, what I was trying to say was the first two years of the schooling for Harry Potter almost has Dumbledore function as a grandfatherly figure. It's more of a, the wisdom of uh, Dumbledore that uh, Harry Potter needs. But as the years go on and as as Harry Potter matures, suddenly a more active Dumbledore is needed in the plot and. It's funny that uh, that that the actor itself who comes to eventually portray uh, Dumbledore uh, embodies the change in physical characteristics also as the movies go on. So it's almost like an inverse. He, both the story and the actors get younger as the movies go on. And I think I also think that you get. I think you can watching no watching this movie, knowing Chris Columbus directed yeah. it, knowing that I've seen a lot of other Chris Columbus movies, I feel like you get a lot of Chris Columbus directing in this movie in like little cuts and like the camera angles and things like that. And I feel like because they change directors a lot in the series, you get a fresh perspective on a lot of different things, like even set pieces and different things like that. Whereas the first two movies, because they're both directed by Christopher Columbus, it feels very much like a direct continuation with no changes at all to anything that's going around. But I feel like it gets way I'm more fresh really in the next. To see Devlin's reaction to that movie, uh, it yeah, it it definitely shifts gears. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's, I feel like that's the turning point in the series. Should be, uh... Should we move to our favorite scenes or uh, well no, I did I did, did want to say I did want to say one thing. Yeah, what um, one more thing before we move on to the scene. Okay. Um that uh no I with Jason I understand the Christopher Columbus directing aspect of things. Um he 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 knows appropriately where to put like music in there too. So like I know that John Williams soundtrack but he knows like the the 
perfect point to put music in there. And, and that's something that I appreciate about Christopher Columbus's directing is when he's editing probably that he's he knows where he wants music to go. So that's something that I, I caught on to. It's like home it's like watching Home Alone. Like you you know in Home Alone where like the, the Home Alone music's gonna play in the scene, but it's so perfect when he does it. So it's the same thing in the Harry Potter. So like when you see the castle or you see the school, excuse me, the school and you and you hear that music, it's it's appropriate when it comes into frame. So I just want to point that out. Yeah, no, it's uh uh, you know what I want to piggyback on that real quick uh, I think one thing that I do start to miss as the movies do go on is obviously even John Williams ends up being replaced by somebody else comes in uh, to fill in the music and part of the greatness of John Williams is how he has these specific themes for each of the characters and these kind of light motifs these tunes that are instantly recognizable and you can hum and that kind of gets supplanted as the movies go on. It's still good scores, but they, as the movies go on, you don't have any specific themes that are instantly recognizable like the first two movies because they are John Williams scores. First, he, he does, he does in, the first, he does three, the first three, three, but there, <clears> there <throat> is a change. He doesn't introduce... I, I want to... It's just most of the tunes that I remember from Harry Potter is from the first two movies. I'll I'll have I'll have when I get to ask him, I'll I'll be interested in see, watching that again and hearing the score. I think that the big, I mean, the big overarching theme we get from John Williams, and I'm glad that he we got him yeah. in the beginning because I don't think anybody else could have pulled it off. Um. But I think a lot of the other director or the other composers, they do they do well. I mean, it's not like it's not a huge jump and letdown. I think I think it's kind of like you've already got John Williams's bones to build off of. It, it's not that hard to you can't fuck it up as long as you don't change it out too much. And so you get you get a lot of that same shit again. Like you get a lot of that, like that that same that theme song is in every single one of the movies, and so is so is a lot of the other stuff. And I think it's just it's the minor pieces that I think are more uh, more noticeably not John Williams in the in the four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, But anyway, favorite scenes. uh, My favorite scene is when Dobby gets the sock at the end of the movie. I absolutely love Dobby with all of my heart. And um, Dobby getting to be a free elf is a tear-jerking moment every single time for me. It always hits me in the feels. And it still does. Uh, You know, every single time, I just, I, I don't know. There's something just special and sweet and I feel like it shows Harry's character so well of like after all Harry went through he still had like he still was able to just you know change his entire focus and focus on a house elf which literally no other character in the history of the wizarding world has ever given a shit about before like that moment 
And I feel like that shows such a huge, like, spark of Harry's character that he was just like, I'm about to trick this this Malfoy bitch into giving uh, Dobby his freedom. And I don't know. I just, I absolutely love that scene. <clears throat> Master has really given Dobby clothes. Obviously, uh, as Deva mentioned, Isaac's reaction is just so good, so deliciously bad. <laughs> Yeah, he's such a douche, and it's awesome that he does. He's he, such a good you know, asshole. That reminds me of what my favorite scene is. Actually, it's uh, the introduction of Oscar Isaac's uh, character um, in Diagon Alley, and him. And actually, there's another introduction that I really like: uh, Gilroy Lockhart's uh, Kenneth Branagh's character. Both introductions of characters who are, you know, introduced for the first time in this movie. It's really memorable introductions for the characters, and uh, obviously uh, one of them become even even a bigger player as the movies go on. But really good stuff. I'll, I'll choose those as my uh, favorite scenes this time around. Uh, my favorite scene is actually when Harry goes to Dumbledore's office, and sees the phoenix and the phoenix you know disintegrates and he you know he basically tells him you know that's okay phoenixes are reborn through the ashes and he gets to see you know the birth of the phoenix there i thought that was a very telling scene for uh i'm, I'm sure for harry um, but I thought that was really cool of how, like, he was so kind of scared of, like, the Phoenix at first, but then he kind of, like, he understood after Dumbledore told him that, um, that he, he, you know, this is what happens. It's normal. Yeah, he, uh, I feel like it's a bit, that scene is very, uh, has a very strong contribution to, uh, yeah, it, it shows. I mean, it, it it's basically Harry's story in a nutshell. You know, it, it is that that rising and, and from I the ashes that type of situation. The, uh, the injury <clears throat> and uh, all that stuff from that particular scene comes back to play later on. All right, gentlemen, what would be your favorite quote of the? Um, I've watched all the Harry Potter movies, so I'm really just trying to. You know what? While you're double check, while you're th- which ones are in which movies? While you're thinking, I- I'll-, I'll go with mine real quick. And this is probably the most one of the most famous lines from at least this this movie, which is when Dumbledore tells uh, Harry, "Help will always be given to those at Hogwarts who need it." It's, uh... That is actually also my favorite line. I was just double checking to make sure that mo- that line took place in this movie because I've watched all but the last two movies in the last like three weeks. So a little bit of run together on the quotes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's my favorite line in this movie. It's actually my favorite line in all of Harry Potter. Yeah, it. I don't know. It somehow encapsulates uh, not just the series, but something about what Hogwarts stands for. And I think that's what kind of draws a lot of readers to that world, 
there's something quote unquote will always bad. be given at hard work what's that to those who ask yeah <clears throat> yeah such a be i don't know it is it's it's simple but it's it's uh, it's kind of it's powerful in its simplicity uh devlin what's you so i always like a good laugh so at the beginning of the movie uh, i got a, i got a serious good laugh out of this um so it was actually it's a conversation between molly weasley and arthur weasley when she's like your son's that enchanted <laughs> carbures to surrey and back last night and arthur says did you really how did it go and then molly hits him and he says i mean that was very wrong indeed boys very wrong of you <laughs> got a good laugh out of that so classic I enjoyed that quote just for the humor that i laugh i belly laughed because of it because the because yeah. arthur weasley's vicariously living through his his sons and harry um so he's he's really excited about what they're doing but and kind of encouraging behavior but then again you know he's married so he's like uh you know happy happy wife happy life kind of thing so she kind of nudges him and he's like no that's wrong boys <laughs> kind of tongue-in-cheek like that's wrong guys so i i really got it that was a good start to the movie for me um in laughing at that scene so like it got me kind of loosened up to watch the rest of it i appreciated that yeah i think uh i think their relationship is one of my like the the weasley parents relationship is one of my favorite on-screen like couples relationships just it just seems so it feels very real and there's a lot of like like it feels all like all real authentic love that exists between the two of them. Yeah, and I think that that I don't know. I I've, I've always loved yeah, that relationship I agree. and the place itself. It's just anytime the story gets to go to the Weasleys residence, I just it's 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 perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Ah. And the love, the love that they have for Harry is so crazy awesome. Second half, absolutely. Uh, favorite performance, gentlemen? Mm. A lot of good ones to pick up. This is a tough one for me. This is a very big tough one, I think. Some phenomenal performances in this movie. I think... I think though my favorite performance is Rupert Grint's performance in this movie. I feel like he really honed his acting from the first or the second movie. And I feel like he has a lot of the more like that. that he, he tells a story with his face so fucking well in this movie. And even in where, even in scenes where he's not talking, like in the scene where in, they're in the forest and they're they're meeting Aragog, and the spiders are descending, I absolutely think that Ron does such a fucking phenomenal job in there, of like you really feel like Ron is fucking about to lose his whole shit over all of these spiders, and I think that that's just yeah. absolutely perfect. Although I do got to say, 
uh, Hagrid is still absolutely wonderful. And that final scene of the movie with Hagrid in it, where he talks to the three of them, also always chokes me up a bit. Hagrid is always, so. always a win. Um, 100%. I'm going to have to go with uh, with uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's performance here uh, as Gilroy Lockhart. It's a at once a buffoonish, uh, a comic relief, uh, and it's. I mean, the defense against the dark arts teacher is always an interesting role in the series. So, um, and this one is definitely a very singular performance, and it really does kind of give the story a level of levity and just fun. Uh, and also gives a great contrast to Harry, who's a real courageous and a real hero versus somebody who is there to just, you know, kind of who who, who wants to pretend. And I think how they play off of each other, it, it really does well. And the performance really captures that aspect. I do find it very interesting that he is clearly not a great wizard throughout the entirety of the series but like there's still a lot of people that are like like a lot of female wizards that are like <laughs> feeling him still like even like despite him being like clearly the biggest dumbass in the wizarding world like the the scene where he turns harry's arms to like no bones and they flop around and shit that shit's so funny like it's very slapstick and it's super silly but it's like after that you should everybody should see him as like a complete buffoon but there's still like a hint of like yeah i hit that <laughs> you know what uh i didn't think of it in that terms but yeah yeah you're right that's what the story is hitting it <laughs> um yeah well there's that Put my chamber, let open up my chamber of secrets for his baskets. Oh. You know I mean? All right. <clears throat> Carry on. Carry on, Devlin. <laughs> Your turn. Well, um, it, it, it honestly it came down to um, Jason Isaacs and um, Daniel Radcliffe's performances in this movie for me because I thought there was such a huge jump for Daniel Radcliffe, but I and if I had to throw a third one in there, I was gonna say the Phoenix itself was was a great performance for me, but um, it's not actually <laughs> Fox. Yeah, the animatronic it's actually, Phoenix. Uh, you know, Fox was such a great. It's not an actual speaking it. part, but I thought that it was so cool at the end that it came and helped Harry, but. Um, I think that um, maybe yeah, the Sorting Hat was a clear, clear favorite for me in the first movie too. He really knocked it out of the park. For me, because Jason Isaacs actually drawn out so much emotion in me as someone who's watched a lot of movies, um, I think that that performance for me is the best one because I just really wanted to punch my TV. <laughs> Like I just really wanted to hit him, and I'm like, I'm like, God, if he's standing in front of me right now, I just punch him. Like, like I just, 
I think that when when something like that happens for me, whether it be uh you know a performance in a movie that like makes me sad or makes me happy or makes me angry, I have to appreciate the level of what it did. So for that, I I it like I said, if there's a runner up, it's it's Daniel Radcliffe's performance as Harry this time. I think that he did such a better job in this movie versus the first one. You can see the the jump in his acting abilities. And again, like I said, he has a plethora of great actors to learn from in in this in these series of movies. So, but for me, that that's the character that stands out to me now. Nice, very good. Uh, random random snippet though. Uh, Filch, the actor that plays Filch. Uh, David Bradley, that guy is always a douche in the greatest of ways throughout this series. And I feel like he gets, he never gets like the credit he deserves. I don't think anybody, like there's not too many people that really bring up how great he is, but he really does crush it. I mean, I can't imagine a more, like he was born to play Filch. What's funny is he's an even better douche in Game of Thrones. Um, this is he's. Yeah, he is a super yes, huge yeah, douche. That in Game takes of it to, I mean, it's a different, obviously, a different, a whole nother level. Um, yeah, this one is almost. He also is a big part of Doctor Who too. So he has his hands in many cookie jars. Yeah, he he uh, because he looks a lot like the first Doctor William Hartnell. He anytime they need to do new stuff involving William Hartnell, he plays him. And then they also made a movie called Adventures in uh, Space and Time, which I think anybody would probably find a little bit interesting. It's just basically about the history of the show, but it's it's actually like a like a docudrama. So it's like you, you're watching it play out like in a real movie um, type of situation. He plays Hartnell in that movie oh, as well. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put that on my list. All right. So we have uh, performances. Um, what's We've done favorite scenes. Is it time for ratings? It is time for ratings. All right. Um, Vivlin. I will give this movie... You fucking <laughs> what's that? Listen, you oh, fucking Jesus. will go. Okay. Um, all right. I guess I'll I'll open the chamber of secrets. Uh, I'll give this a movie an eight point five. Uh, I I too am going to give it an eight five. I think it is a phenomenal movie. I think it it does almost everything completely correct for me. Uh, obviously they cut some of the things from the books to the movies, which not everybody knows because not everybody in the books, but um, and the thing, I think the weirdest, the thing that stuck out to me most about this movie that makes me not want to give it a higher rating is the sort of Godric Gryffindor looks like a fucking child's toy and it stresses me out. <clears throat> So it takes me out of the movie every time it's on screen. You know, 
you, you got spoiled with Lord of the Rings and there and all that just kind of great <laughs> pops from from New Zealand from Veda Workshop. But I, I but they don't but they don't like it, if you watch the like the rest of the series doesn't have like that bad of a prop ever. So I don't know why that I feel like they could have easily gotten a better prop than that sword. But it looks like a cho- a child's wow. toy. I, I never noticed so. it, but I'm guessing the next time I watch it, that's going to pop it in my head. So, Oh, it just stresses me out. It looks like a toy like my kids would buy at a fucking state fair. Like, it looks like it cost $3. Like, they had a good prop, and then somebody yeah, fucked it, it up. It looks like something you throw a dart at, and like a balloon, and, and you get it. I, I have a feeling this is going to take me out yeah. of the next time. <sighs> I don't have a frame of reference. It does. It, it's the I only. That's the it reason like why. Great marketing tool. Like if they wanted to sell those swords, they could. Well, and it, that's the thing. Like it literally looks like they were like, "Hey, we have those toy versions of the sword. Let's just use one of those." Yeah. yeah. All right. Eight point five. It is. Sorry. It's just... <laughs> hey, you're okay. Sorry. You got it out. You got it out. Get it out, big guy. It's all good. Sorry, it really that pissed me really off. Good. Like I was. Uh, are you are you telling me the basilic was wasn't? One more thing, and it involves the sword of Godric Gryffindor. When in when they're in <laughs> when they're in Dumbledore's office, and then Dumbledore is trying to show Harry that he does belong in Gryffindor, he says, "Why don't you take a closer look at the name or uh, at the sword?" And then he picks it up blood side first like the hilt is clearly available for him to grab but he grabs the bloody blade of the sword for no fucking reason and I don't understand why (laughs) yeah he fucking dead ass does and I he does that shit like he sticks his like he's like the hilt's just chilling there and he could easily grab that motherfucker but instead he's like I'm gonna just go ahead and grab by the blood side Pick that bitch well, right up. Well, he, he couldn't knows. grab it by the crib side, so... Well, clearly he knows something that Harry doesn't. It's a prop. Right. <laughs> He's like, of right. course I would not give a real sword to a kid <laughs> in my school. Yeah. also love the irresponsibility that, like, Dumbledore is like, sure, you can have this diary, kid. <laughs> I know who it belongs to, but I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> you want it back? Sure, go for it. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right, Dev. So it, it, this is going to be your your rating. Point fives across the board here. So wow. I think I rated the original at seven point five, and this one clearly exceeded my expectations of everything. And I don't have a frame of reference for the books or anything like that. But I found it to be a really a good, decent movie. So eight point five is a good rating for me. Like that, that's pretty high. Yeah. No, that's... Absolutely. Yeah. No. Welcome back to Know Your Cinema Podcast segment two. This is the Get to Know Know Your Cinema Podcast segment, and as always with me again, Jason Quinn and Vivin. Oh, oh, there ooh, got a big woohoo there. Um, so, gentlemen, questions for the week. We are going to start with Vivin's question of the week. So, Viv, you have the floor. Go ahead and give the lovely fans your question, and then me and Jason will go ahead and take care of the answers. 
Alright, so thinking about food. Take your pants off. Takes you so once you take, take your pants off. What is is there a scene in a movie that features food that is memorable to you? Ooh, I, 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 Jason, I'll I'll take this one. The um, scene in Hook where they were imagining food. Do you remember that scene, guys? Yes, I do. I do. I always thought like that looked like the most delicious treats that they were eating. Like they were just imagining food. I was like, oh man, that, that's so awesome because it was. They were like, "There's nothing here," and then they're like, "No, use your imagination." And they were like all full, and then a food fight broke out. It was so cool. I thought that uh, that that always stuck with me. That scene always stuck with me from a kid to adulthood. So that's the one. Oh, that's a really good one. Nice, nice. I'm just gonna watch Hook again. Hook's a great movie for anybody who's listening. If you've never seen it, yes. please go watch it. It's an underrated Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, it's not, un- it's not underrated at all. That movie's a shit, okay? <laughs> okay. Rude just saying it wasn't well received when it came out. I always found his name to be funny. It's like, this <laughs> motherfucker got some drugs on him? Rufio. <laughs> uh, Devlin, you a little tipsy? Don't worry about what I'm doing. <laughs> Roman probs. It was my birthday. I didn't get the drink last night, so. Leave me alone. That's fair. Take it take it to the house for me. I'm drinking one with you, buddy. Well, I'm on uh, so, so- the I had four shots of, of, of uh vodka and now I'm on my second Guinness, so Nice. Don't judge. Nice. No judgment here, buddy. Um two scenes stick out to me involving food. Not necessarily because I want to eat them, but uh, I've always found, I always will remember the Beethoven scene where he fucks up like Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or whatever it is. Um, and then ironically, the other scene that I can think of is from a Christmas story where the dogs fuck up the Thanksgiving uh, or Christmas dinner that exists there too. I don't know why, but those are the two scenes that stick out to me most when it comes to food and movies right now. Huh. Okay. So, I don't know why. Not that I want to eat the food, but it's just like... hate a Christmas story. I do hate a Christmas story, but I always found that scene from. Did you say you hate the Christmas story? Yeah. It's a Santa. He hates a Santa. I hate evil Santa. Even though Santa's I interpreted a... it for him differently, and he still won't watch it. Wow. I I might watch it. We'll we'll see next Christmas. <laughs> okay. We'll still be in quarantine by then. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have plenty of time. Viv. Uh, so there's a scene in Goodfellas in the prison where they're. Oh. Uh, yes. Oh. So. Cock meat sandwich. No, um, that, no, that's Harold Kumar. Wrong movie. Uh, oh good films. Different movie. You're talking <laughs> about movies. the slicing the garlic paper oh. thin. Oh. 
And then there's also the scene where uh, they go over to, um, I forget, I think it's Ray's mom's house. Uh, oh, yeah, she makes him dinner. And the, the meatballs, it's actually Martin Scorsese's mom who plays in that scene. Yeah. But I just love any food scenes in gangster movies for some reason. Man, you, I'm telling you, you need to hop on that Sopranos uh, TV series train because you'll, you'll love that, that there's always food being eaten in that, in that TV series. So you would definitely attach to that one. Okay. Um, one other one I'll, I'll mention. Uh, it's a foreign film. but uh, Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's by the great Ang Lee. Uh, if you don't know who that is, uh, he's done Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, everybody's yeah. favorite 2003 Hulk, huh? huh? Um, Yay! So, Yay, that movie. Which one was the 2003? That's not the one with... Uh... That's with Eric Banner. Is that the one where he punches the guy in the balls? The dog in the balls? <laughs> that that sounds like a movie that would do that. <laughs> that movie's so weird. That's the first Hulk one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's That actually hit... That's my favorite scene in any superhero movie. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Watching the Hulk punch a dog in the balls is funny every fucking time. <laughs> If you have not seen that scene, even recently, Google that shit. Just Google Hulk punches dog in the balls. And it is so good. It is so so fucking funny. I'll do it right after the Tenet trailer. So I'll finish the podcast, watch the trailer, I'll go find that scene. No, I have tears in my eyes from, oh my God, it's so funny. There's a there's a movie called Eat Drink uh, Man Woman. It's a movie that he made in 1994. It's a Chinese, I think it's a Chinese or Taiwanese movie, but it's it has this opening scene where the father's a chef and he's cooking for his three daughters, and it's just this whole five minute scene of him just making the most elaborate dish before his daughters come uh, come for. I think it's like the Sunday brunch. Fantastic, one of the best kind of. Every time I see that scene, I'm like, oh, I'm ready for a buffet. I'm just ready to go eat that price yeah, they, right there. That's not happening for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't. Yeah, I know. That's what I miss the most, <laughs> buffets. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> sad times. Yeah. All right. Whose question is it next? Jason's question. Uh, my question. Okay. Now, my question is this. Okay. It is a a sad question, uh, in a, in a sense, but imagine in, imagine your favorite film series. Now this is multiple films. Okay. With containing the same characters. Okay. Okay. Imagine in between those films, one of your main characters, the actor, passes away. You have to recast that that actor coming okay. forward. Okay. What is the film series, the character, and the actor you replace them with? Oh my! This is this is mean. This is not sad. This is a mean question. Uh, it's. It is a, it is a, it's a bigger one. I'm sorry about that. Okay, I'm going to go with the really hard it's one. I don't rough, even dude. know 
who I'm going to replace it with as I'm creating the sentence. So Robert Downey Jr. in the role of Iron Man is the perfect Iron Man. Like I can't think of Iron Man without Robert Downey Jr. So if he passed away after the first movie and you had to replace Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man, um, who who's even coming close to filling his shoes? Uh, who, who, who? I don't know. I'm going to have to think on this. This is a really bad situation I'm in right now. Yeah, I don't know why you went that route. Okay. <laughs> It's, that's the first one that came to mind. I don't know why. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's weird because if I say like a, if I say Batman, I'm like, but so many people have already played Batman, so it's different. With Iron Man, it's so iconic because Not of really, that specific you could, actor. You could go with the Dark Knight series, and you could just replace Christian Bale with anyone. First off, so if, for the record, if I had to replace Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I would replace him with Kirk Lazarus. Who? Kirk Lazarus. I don't think I know who that is. He's an Australian method actor and five-time Academy Award oh. winner. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, what about, but, but, what about, but what about all the people on the internet who's not going to like a black guy playing? <laughs> oh, man. No, he's the white guy before he's the black guy. <laughs> so he's gonna have a he's gonna have a reverse plastic surgery. Yeah. So that's who I would replace. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You know what? That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, devil. <laughs> Go. I'm going to stick with what I originally said. I would replace Christian Bale's version of Batman with anyone on the planet. Literally anyone? Literally anyone. All right, like so you're Robert replacing Pattinson. Robert no. Pattinson? I don't care who it was. It could be Jack Black in the bat suit. I don't care. It no, would I'd be better. Like be I would watch this fuck out of that. Jack Black as Batman? That sounds like the greatest fucking Batman movie ever made. <laughs> No, I, I, I and, and, and in all honesty, and not to be, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just, I don't like Christian Bale's portrayal of Batman. Not saying that it ruins the series because the story is really good within that series, but I would, I would replace Christian Bale as Batman. Um, I, I if I had to pick someone, I can't put my finger on just an actor. I, I, yeah, I'm having a hard time doing it. Not to say that someone could play Batman, but. You just have to pick the perfect person to play Batman. You know, l- just... l- let me let me rephrase the question for you. Um, so let's take the Dark Knight. So you do agree that the movie itself is good. So if you had to replace the actor, who would you think would fit that version of Batman? Oof. So I get like again, like I said, I got to think of like the time frame, and I got to think of actors that were really good, like. It's very hard to say who could just step into a, the Batman role and do it well. I, I won't sit here. I, I always joke about Christian Bale did a terrible job. I just don't think that he understood 
the differences between Batman and Bruce Wayne when he was playing the character. That that's my biggest hang up on Christian Bale's Batman. I don't think that he got right. Ben Affleck killed that aspect. Yeah, I don't think that he got that particular <clears throat> thing because it's two characters you're playing. And I don't think that he got both of those in the same same breath, if that makes sense. And not saying like again, like I'm not I'm not saying the stories that no you know that that no one wrote or that, that no one put on film were not good because they were all of them were. I just think that the casting as Christian Bale's Batman was not that great. So I, I yeah I, I'm yeah I don't I don't dis- I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm, I'm just not, like I joke about it, but I'm not. I'm trying to be very serious in my my breakdown of why I'm trying to to say this. Because I've always had that hang up on Christian Bale as as bad, and I think Christian Bale is a great actor in, in things that he's done. Like we can talk about the Machinist, we can talk about we can talk about American Psycho. As much as I hate that character, I appreciate what he put on film there. So I can talk right. about those things, like in the aspect that he has done some good work. In but I just don't think that Batman was was right for him because he didn't understand that you're playing two characters you're not playing one singular character you're not playing batman you're playing bruce wayne you're playing batman you no, can't get away from that but are you saying that in the sense because i thought that was almost a fault or i mean if you were going to put a fault to it was it that he was distinguishing it too much where no i don't i don't think that he did a good job with 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 separating the two I think he played Batman with both characters. Yeah, he's not a very good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I I think that he didn't he didn't separate the two. I think that he stuck to just being Batman throughout the whole series. And I, I didn't, oh okay, I didn't feel like, like this, this is felt interesting. Different. I didn't feel like it felt different and separated because, like I said, for me, if you look at all the previous Batmans, mm-hmm. they they had a tendency to be able to separate the two and and distinguish two different characters. That's a, in, in, in reality, that's what you're playing. And that's why it's so hard to play Batman because you're, you're having to act as two different people, as two different personalities, because that's exactly what Batman is. But I'm trying to, th- I'm sitting here as I'm talking, trying to think about an actor who could have stepped into the shoes and played Batman in that role in the Dark Knight series, Ben Affleck really having a hard Absolutely. time doing that. Hundred percent. Would you say Ben Affleck? I, I at that time under I the proper dec- under the proper direction, hundred percent. He could have. But at that it. time, it, coming it, coming to my mind, I don't think that it, that would have been in there. I don't. I it's. I'm just, I'm thinking of that time frame. I'm not thinking of like we saw Ben Affleck as Batman. Well, at least you guys did. I haven't seen it yet, but so I can't say for sure that that would be the perfect role. But if I had to like piggyback off of what Jason's saying and saying that he's a good Batman and a good Bruce Wayne, okay, I guess we'll go with Ben Affleck. So, uh, is is the distinction that the he is he not playing the aspect of the Bruce Wayne playboy enough, or is it like what? What is it that is that is missing? Say we pull out Michael Keaton's performance. Is there like a specific characteristic that he's bringing to Bruce Wayne that is uh, that is making it like he is clearly separating? 
the bad he, from he, Bruce Wayne. Keaton has hella sex appeal as Bruce Wayne. What's He's that? got that. He, Keaton has that hella sex appeal as Bruce Wayne. Right. You feel that he is just this fucking this 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 man who is full of charisma and you want to be his friend and he is a dude that you want to hang out with. Batman is supposed to be fearful. Like you're supposed to be afraid of this dude. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Keaton does a good job of doing distinguishing those two characteristics because Correct. when he is Bruce Wayne he crushes that playboy attitude, that like life of the party, that the the oh like the charisma he just it oozes out of him. And then when he's Batman, he's stone cold. Yeah. And I, I feel like Christian Bale is cold the whole time. But I think maybe your that fault might almost fall on the story then that they created because they are it could fall on Maggie Gyllenhaal too. Ha! I was about to say that. I was like, Bruce Wayne is blind. Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is blind as a bat. You know what? This is. <laughs> you want to know how I got these scars? Yeah. Looking at Maggie Gyllenhaal's face. Oh. Um, that's I. I'm just saying I, he downgraded from Katie Holmes to Maggie Jill. You know what? I, I will. Casting I, I director think... needs fire. All the teams <clears throat> in the world, and we pick Maggie fucking Jill. I literally had some legitimate counter argument to your Michael Keaton. Expose and then and Maggie Jones Hall's name it's out, out the it's out the window, right? I I, I have nothing. Kim Basinger, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, you got shit. All right, let's nothing. Move on. Right, thank you. Moving on, let's but no, I, on. I I if if like I said, I take Jason's judgment to heart. He says that Ben Affleck is a good uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman. <laughs> so and I haven't seen him. So I guess if I had to pick someone that could do that role at that time, that would might have been the better choice. Not saying that Christian Bale is a bad actor. He's he's done some phenomenal work in a lot of things. I just think that when he decided to portray that those two characters, he didn't separate the two. And that mind you, The Dark Knight is still my favorite uh, Batman movie. Yeah, it it is. It absolutely is a great Batman movie, but I don't think for me it's about to for me it's about the portrayal and the story of Batman as much as it's the story of the Joker. And I love and I love that movie. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't love that movie. I, but I have a I hard time getting around that portrayal of Batman when it sounds like Scotty Riggs and Dusty Rhodes had a love child. And he's got a lisp, and it's like, these citizens need a hero. These citizens need a hero, daddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's my biggest hang up on that is like, he just, I, he couldn't separate the two. And, and, and reading comics my, in my childhood and reading Batman and understanding the struggle that Bruce Wayne had with being, in the situation that he was and then seeing that portrayal of Batman through 
Nolan's eyes and Christian Bale's portrayal, it really kind of like just is like, eh. Everything else about that movie is great. And even The Dark Knight Rises. It's a joke. Rises, it really makes them. Even The Dark Knight Rises is so good. And I appreciate Tom Hardy's performance as Bane. Even though the Bane character is way more darker than the the comic book version, I appreciate that that character that he portrays and how he does it because it's so often different when you listen to that voice. Yeah, the the, the voice is is key. <clears throat> All right, that was a good question, folks. Really inspired some debate there. It was. And like I said, I'm honestly not saying that to to be a prick to you. I know how much you love it. I'm not doing that out of spite. I'm doing it out of honesty and saying that that would be the re- the thing that I would change. That that yeah, being no, no, I, uh, I I know I, I fuck with I, you a lot and say that Christian. I, I despise Christian Bale, and I really do. But I'm not like I'm not doing that just to like I'll throw that in your face. I just want to let you know that. For the record, I also don't think he's a terrible Batman uh, because we still have Clooney. Like, Clooney was still Batman. You know what I mean? So, like, there's clearly... Like, the bar is still way lower at Clooney's Batman. Terrible. Um, But Robert Pattinson could probably suppress, you know, know, be in that realm, the Clooney realm. I I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know why... The more the more the public lays into Robert Pattinson about his portrayal of Batman, the more I want him to succeed just to a realm that we have never fucking seen before. Like I want I want the Batman performance that we get out of Pattinson to mirror the Joker performance we got out of Heath Ledger. Like I want it to be that high good. bar. That's a and high I, bar you're saying. I, I, oh, I know it is. I'm not saying that it's going to be, but that's what I hope that it is because like the general public is shitting on Pattinson so much. And I used to shit on Pattinson a lot, but the more that people shit on him, the more I want to be like, fuck you guys. And like just hop on the Pattinson is my bro train. So I really am I have such high hopes for him. As the Batman, I hope he fucking crushes it. He, well, so far his approach has definitely been very different, and uh, he's—I—I I read like snippets of a profile that he just recently did. Yeah, the the man is definitely not taking the the typical approach. One Twitter commenter said he almost seems like an actor who should be portraying the Joker, who's about to play Batman. So. We'll see what he does with the role. Yeah, we will see. Again, there's a movie on Netflix called Good Time. I really want to see it. Apparently, that's uh, a performance that's pretty crazy. There's also a movie called Lighthouse on Amazon Prime. Uh, also, I a have pretty been. crazy uh, pattern. I haven't seen it, but I haven't. Okay. I'll look now. Yeah, check it out. Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. All right, who's left? Whose question is it, left? it is my question. Oh, okay. You know, I didn't answer that last question. I could have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <clears throat> oh, okay, Jason, go ahead. Uh, so I has I thought up that question and then never thought up an answer for it and still haven't got one yet. But what I'm going to go with is uh, Anchorman. And I am going to be recasting Ron Burgundy 
Is that, is that like I one of your would, favorite movies? It is. That's, well, that's a ballsy move. Well, I, that's the thing. So in the in the concept for the question, the actor has it is a it, so you kind of you kind of went a different direction with the with the question than what I actually proposed. So the the question was that the series of movies the actor passes away, so it has to be recast, not because you think that they did a bad job, but it has to be recast for the sequels because the actor is not available at all. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> Anchorman is my favorite. So for Anchorman 2, I would cast uh, Ron Swanson himself to fill in the role. I think that he would do the best possible job out of it because I think that he has that weird whimsical side to him uh, that you see a lot of the time uh, in the stuff that doesn't have to do with Parks and Rec, but I think he looks the part well enough uh, to do a good job. That's an that's an interesting thought process. I think there would be a completely different Anchorman 2, whereas uh, Ron Burgundy is kind of like the sarcastic kind of dumb per Anchorman versus Ron Swanson would be like, you know, telling the news like a libertarian would be telling the news. I think that well, might be I ten think times you... funnier. Like, <laughs> like uh, I... the government shuts down, uh, shuts down uh, the state of Ohio for COVID-19. And that's why we don't trust the government. <laughs> I think that might be a little bit funnier than than the uh, Ron Burgundy version. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be an interesting, uh, a different, sh- it'd definitely be an interesting tonal shift. But I think, uh, I think his name is actually slipping my mind right now for some fucking reason. But uh, I think he would do a uh, a great job at the at the the role. I think it'd be interesting. Interesting, definitely. Worth the watch. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it runs into the same problem as trying to recast Iron Man. It's just uh, Will Ferrell so his whole persona is so matched for the character of Anchorman. Me trying to imagine anybody else in that role, it just almost feels sacrilegious. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jim Carrey could probably pull it off. Um. I, it would definitely be a much different movie, but I yeah. think. I think Carrie is such a versatile actor. Um, I think he he's I personally am head over heels in love with him as an actor. I think he's well just fucking phenomenal. So I think that he would do a really good job as as well. But uh, uh I went the other direction. So anyway, uh Devlin, your question. Okay. Um so, if you guys had to take a historical event in American history and make a movie about it, what historical event would you guys do as a movie? Easy. I would do Pearl Harbor. I would cast Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I would make it a love story and almost nothing to do with Pearl Harbor. Didn't that already happen? Yes, it did. Woo! 
almost happened, right? There's no Matt Damon. Isn't Matt Damon in Pearl Harbor? No. I'm pretty sure. No. No. What? Uh, I I don't know. Actually, no. I'll I'll come back. Circle back around. Okay. I don't. I didn't have an actual good answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of a singular event that would be worth a not worth but would be good as a well we have a bunch of the like one historical event that is so much about us is our space programs and our landing on the moon but I feel like there's a couple of really good movies I don't know if there's a defining movie of yeah and they even put out a TV show they did with uh yeah steve carell's doing that space force show so oh yeah oh that's true that's true that i'm so looking forward to thank you yeah, i can't wait for that like just crunching out stuff um the other one is obviously the jfk assassination but i feel like the jfk oliver stone movie uh, even if it is not accurate it's amazing movie still for the is, record huh Amazing amazing movie. I, I, I just it's just so compelling. You you believe it while you're watching. The it world building in that movie it. is so good. So good. So good. Never seen it for the record. I know. I, I, no, I already you know, know that. That's I'm like I'm I'm backlogging that for your list. That's why I'm like I'm thank holding you. on to that because it, no, it that's so good. Yeah, it really is. And and I know that Vivin living in Dallas has been to Dealey Plaza and I've been to Dealey Plaza. It's yeah. it's super eerie to be there. It's super yes, it quiet. Like it it's it's in the middle of, of Dallas and it just feels really weird when you're standing there. I can't explain it. Like it's like there's cars moving, but it doesn't you know, it doesn't make a sound. Like it's super super weird. You know what? Um, actually, I want to go with a person, uh, Theodore Rose- uh, Roosevelt, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the 26th president. I feel like he was such an interesting human being, like what he accomplished. And he just had Teddy to... Roosevelt was the tits. He was a what? He was the tits. Yeah. Well, yeah, he had such a bravado to him. I feel like a movie kind of surrounding one of his exploits would be would make for like just a great movie so that would be another one i'd go for okay so i think for myself because i've never seen one or i don't know even one exists i would like to see a movie made after about after we we won our war for independence from britain how we became a country, like how our founding fathers sat down and decided about our, you know, our constitution and, and the things that go into that and the debates that would have gone on within that Congress. I think that if we had a movie just based on that to show how our founding fathers would, we were thinking way beyond just themselves in that time period and how they were thinking about the future itself. I think that would be kind of interesting to see just as a movie. 
I would almost want that done as an HBO series. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could be done that way, but I mean, if we had, if we could get like a four-part series or whatever, but I think yeah. like, even as a movie, it could work as well. But you know, I think that at the same time, it would be cool to see if we got some, you know, historical documents and we went through those and people did the research and, and wrote a script in regards to how you know things went you know went down during that time because i'm sure there was a lot of people on one side of the aisle and on the other side of the aisle that didn't want certain uh constitutional amendments to go through so i would just kind of love to see how uh that kind of played out visually i mean we all know the end result of things but like to like see it is completely different through your mind that makes sense yeah i can see that being so beneficial especially in our time i think we've become so removed from the creation um, of the constitution and how the founding fathers came to you know it's 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 something that's already set in stone so we sometimes have a certain irreverence to it but seeing what what kind of mistakes and what kind of wrong paths were taken until they got to the actual version that we now have yeah. i think it might be revealing to revealing to us in this day and age and a, a, a dramatic series of it or a movie of it would be so good yeah and I, so I think there's just it's like a it's like a it's like a spot in time that kind of people kind of look over sometimes is like mm-hmm. after we won our independence what what did we do how how were how are we as a country born so to speak, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, we got our we got our independence, but once you get your independence, like, where do you start from there? So, to to know of our founding fathers and to like be like, if I've I went to Washington D.C. and I've seen the documents in front of me, yeah, like to see those documents is like it's super powerful and moving to know that like men sat in a room and um and sign this and little trivial fact guys my great 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 grandfather was a signer of the constitution so um it's cool to see stuff like that well fuck devlin's literal royalty i'm not royalty but just doing doing stuff on ancestry.com and going forward ancestry not no not your not your customer not your customer with Ancestry.com, sir. No. What? Ancestry.com. You've never heard the Ancestry.com story? Remember, Jason, to uh, uh, alleviate the the places of business, if that makes sense. Yeah, so this customer comes in, and he's speaking to a coworker of mine, and uh, – he says, uh, where are you from? And she says, well, I'm Chinese. I'm from China. And he says, oh, really? Well, I'm a, I'm a Kentucky hillbilly. And she goes, oh, really? Well, how did, you, uh, how did you find that out? And he goes, well, my sister's got one of them computer things. And she went on the internet on that ancestry.com, and she found it out on there. And uh, then I spent the remaining part of the day coming up with taglines for Ancestry.com. <clears throat> like, uh, is your family tree more of a wreath? Ancestry.com. 
is your <clears throat> gene pool more of a puddle? Ancestry.com is raced to the sack a game at your family reunion? Ancestry.com. Just various things like that. But yeah, no, I can't believe you never heard that one. Before. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, Charles Carroll is actually my distant relative that signed the declaration, or not the declaration, Constitution. Excuse me. Nice. That's awesome. I, I really like that one. I want that to happen. Yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, I think that it would be super cool to see something like that. And you, you wouldn't have to do a lot of production. It would literally almost be like one, one like stage setup where like you could cut scenes and say like next day or you could put the date of like their next session because they're not going to agree on one thing at the same time but it'd be cool to yeah you could set it in you could you could literally make just like saw style and just they're all in a room and right yeah roll it. even even something like the signing of the declaration of independence would be cool because i'm sure that when writing that someone would have said like well how are we going to write this what's this going to be like and i'm you know how <laughs> We're gonna send this to the King of England. Like, <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be technically outlaws at this point. We're gonna be we're gonna be hanged for treason for writing this. Like that would even be cool. It would be super. Yeah, cool. I'm just always intrigued by the, the beginning history of our of our country and how our our forefathers decided that things their visions were outlined for the long haul versus the period of time they were in that's always intrigued me because everything stood the test of time until you know there's nothing that's changed from the, the original constitution until now and they've never revoked one of the original ones so that's what that's why i've always thought like that it's so intriguing to, to know that they had that foresight Yeah, but that's my question. And like I said, if you know if anybody has any uh, any uh, answers to that question or comments, you know, always hit us up on the social media. Um, well, uh, my actual term time to answer the question is now. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. And it's been a very difficult thought process to think of things in our history and just pick one event that I think would be interesting to see a movie about. And I think, I think that I would like to see a movie about like, like early cinema and how that went from like, like basically like circus sideshow type of situation to being a forefront of American history or of, of American culture. And I think that that would be an interesting thing to see. I guess a, Technically, it would probably be more of a documentary, but I still would think that that would be a cool thing to see. Yeah, uh, well, you're also getting essentially the creation of Hollywood because, I mean, you essentially have studios popping up in the desert, 
with and a fun fact the reason they started in california was because there was so much sunlight and the old cameras needed so much light to get uh, uh to get the uh, the picture to be illuminated enough and so that's the reason the studios were set up out there but it's interesting now there's this whole you know industry out there and yeah you get all of that also in that origin story i think that would be an interesting thing i think i think netflix is actually putting out something about that but i don't know if it's fiction or actual based on any kind of fact it's like a alternate version of i haven't looked too much into it i saw like a a trailer i think a while ago but i don't remember much of it but i still am going to try to check that out when it comes out okay yeah i think that would be an interesting movie in regards to that uh even going back as far as maybe like showing how thomas edison you know design the first kind of camera and showing that uh, uh innovation that he created and showed off to the world and then kind of evolving there that'd be kind of cool too didn't he wasn't is that that he was edison the inventor that invented like a thousand things before he got some shit right uh the light bulb yeah the light bulb he would be he, I, I think it even just a documentary about him would be really interesting. A documentary or a movie about him would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'd watch that. All right. Also, one other thing that I would like to see, I would love to see a uh, Nikola Tesla documentary or a movie. Mm-hmm. Tesla's dope. Yes. And. I'd love to see more about him. I learned a lot. I went to Niagara, and obviously Tesla was a big part of early Niagara. Um, and I learned a, a decent amount there because there's a lot of, like, museums and stuff there, and, like, there's a big statue of Tesla there. And I even have a teeny statue that sits on my desk of Nick and the Tesla. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think it would be super interesting to see because he's still like not he people they, they still don't teach a whole lot about him but he's like a really big deal of when it comes to like modern electricity and how that functions in our in in our society so i think that'd be interesting <clears throat> so i think is that it is that it did we this is going to be the longest episode since we did three movies. <laughs> it's okay. We'll, the wheel will be short. The wheel segment will be short. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Uh, we will be right back with the wheel of movie fate. And uh, we will see you soon. All right. Welcome back to this extra long episode of Know Your Cinema. But this will be an extra short wheel segment so but to spin the wheel we have our very own jason quinn are you ready i'm ready (laughs) you are ready all right as we have discussed before this wheel that we are spinning has 10 spaces on it these 10 spaces have nine movies three i haven't seen three vivin hasn't seen three devlin has not seen and one space 
where you, the fans at home, get to pick the movie that we're going to watch. So, in order for that uh, that pick to be counted, you would actually have to vote. And in order to vote, you have to find the poll on our social media. So, if you want to participate in any polls that come up, make sure you follow us on our social media. Uh, KYC Podcast on our Facebook.com slash KYC Podcast on Facebook and at KYC Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. So, without any further ado, the movies that are on the wheel are as follows. The movies Vivian has not seen are Mallrats, Frailty, and Ready to Rumble. The movies I have not seen are Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Shawshank Redemption, and Goodfellas. The movies Devlin has not seen are The Social Network, Frozen, and this week we are replacing Harry Potter 2 with... Vivian, Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry Potter 3 and the Prisoner of Azkaban. A shocking reveal. I know oh, you guys are all shocked. I, I'm, I know. I'm so surprised, guys. Yeah, so shocked. We, we, Never we been more to, shocked in your life. We had to play this close to the chest. We just we could not let anything leak. Couldn't do it. So, without any further ado... Uh, speak now, forever hold your peace. I am about to spin the wheel of movie fate. Well, folks, as I mentioned before, a fan pick comes up every now and then. This is one of those times. So, uh, probably tomorrow. Uh, so before this episode actually comes out, we will be posting uh, a poll on each of our social medias for everybody to vote in. Uh, so anybody who will be listening to this episode, if you have already followed us, hopefully you checked out our poll and got to vote in that. So next week, we will be watching a mystery movie picked by you, the fans. So please, uh, Make sure you follow us on social media so you can vote in all future polls if you are not following us as of now. So look out for that mystery episode coming to a theater near you. Uh, as always, we hoped that you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we did making it. Uh, we love you all with all of our hearts, we... What was this, episode 33? 34, I believe. 34? Man, we've been doing this, we've been doing this for, for a decent amount of time now. So uh, we wouldn't be doing that at all if it wasn't for you guys. Like I said last week, if it wasn't for you guys listening at home, this would just be nothing more than like a glorified phone call. So <clears throat> really, really appreciate the fact that you guys are listening. Um, it, uh, it is, it is awesome to know that, that, uh, people want to hear us talk about movies. That's a cool feeling, you know? So we really appreciate all that love and support we get from you guys. Um, and we have a special way of saying how much we love and each and every one of you here on the podcast. Every week we like to say something with the most love, uh, we can possibly muster. And that is. Go fuck yourselves.
Yeah, go fuck yourself. Bib, uh, we're going to need that this week. Uh, ask ask me ask me next week. I'm I'm just too tired. He's too tired to go fuck himself. Yeah, That's right. he's too tired to go fuck himself or tell people to go fuck themselves. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, on behalf of uh, Vivin, the huge, big, giant pussy, uh, Matthew, <laughs> uh, I will say go fuck yourselves. Love you guys. Uh, please make sure that you tune in to the next week's episode to hear the movie that you all voted for. Uh, we don't know what that is at this moment, so we're kind of keeping it in. Uh, we're kind of in suspense at this at this time frame, so we're all looking forward to doing that for you guys. So, again, love you guys, appreciate you guys. Follow us on social media, and for me, Jason and Viv, again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Absolutely. All right. All right. We will talk to you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Peace.